the neuroscience behind fun and happiness. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Nicole Lazaro, president of Zio Design. Welcome, Nicole. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's good. Glad to be here. So what does Zio Design do? Uh, so at Zio Design, we unlock human potential through technology and play. Uh, so we're the, one of the leading uh, uh, de uh, developers in you know, virtual reality, and we also do a lot of consulting on creating technology that's better for, better for humans. You've, in addition to that, you've pulled some groundbreaking research on the science of fun into designing workplaces and games. S start with the neuroscience. Where does fun or human happiness come from? Yeah, one of the things that we discovered uh, of, of several years ago was the relationship between what you do and how you feel you know, in a game. We measured emotion on people's faces while they played, and that unlocked something we call the four keys to fun, in which uh, we uh, created a design language, a design tool, to create emotions from the actions that people take uh, uh, in, a, in a game, in addition to you know, art and, and, so, and, and so forth. And so then what we did was we measured uh, specific emotions and on people's faces, uh, the Ekman 6 plus curiosity and other emotions in the body. And we were able to moment by moment uh, decipher what the behavior, what different behavior patterns led to different kinds of emotion. And then going into you know, using my uh, you know, Stanford psych degree, we went into the neuroscience of this. And we found some really amazing, uh, really amazing opportunities for interaction design to, you know, to human happiness and really the future of work. What role do each of these neurochemicals play in creating happiness? Well, what we looked at is, uh, you know, we, I like to call it as dose. You know, you get your daily dose of these uh, four neurochemicals that uh, really, that all feel good. And they're really not bad for you. So the, the first one is, is dopamine, which you know, focuses attention, you know, marshals our energy so we can you know, achieve a challenge. Uh, oxytocin is, of course, the, uh, we call it the cuddle hormone. It is uh, involved in social relationships. Uh, serotonin is an interesting ranking hormone we can talk about more in terms of mechanics. And we found that uh, it's, uh, it's a great way to, uh, to feel good when someone that you, you know, respect, uh, who, who appreciates you. Uh, who you respect. And then lastly, of course, is endorphins, uh, which are the body releases, you know, after physical exercise, but also other sorts of, uh, you know, strenuous act activities. And the cool part about this model is that with, you know, these four chemicals with dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins, is we can actually create, uh, create systems, whether they're in games or whether they're in the work, whether in a spreadsheet or a, you know, photo editing tool, uh, that help people do the things that they that they need to do, you know, on a day to day basis. So um, if you can imagine, like you go into, you know, the average workplace and, you know, if it were a zoo, you know, people would, the Humane Society would shut it down because uh, it's just not really designed for the emotional and cognitive needs of the people, the creatures that live there, that live and work there. We've had lots and lots of stuff about usability and then very, very few things about, you know, the interface between that technology and the emotions that we feel. So let's talk about some of that then. What are, what are some of the examples of systems in gameplay or work life, for example, where we can apply this neuroscience to our benefit? Yeah, so great. Well, what we can do, for example, if we are editing a spreadsheet or if we are like, you know, designing a poster or, you know, I'm designing a game, I, you know, open up a photo editing tool. And at the very beginning, 
we really want that user interface to create the feelings in us of, uh, you know, of, of they want to, we want positive emotions because we want to brainstorm, we want to try out ideas, we want to like, you know, just do something silly. Uh, think outside of the box, you know, at that, because at that moment in time, that's really important. That, that's what creates the, uh, the energy, that's what creates the really cool ideas that you have. And then, but then a little bit later on in the project, we have, uh, we have this need of having to make decisions, having to narrow down the design space. So at the beginning, we're like trying to like make it as wild and crazy as possible so we can come up with something new and novel and innovative. In the middle, we have to, you know, innovate, you know, we have to identify what is the most innovative, what's the most, uh, you know, what's the most, you know, practical thing that we could do, what is, given the constraints, what would actually work. And then we have to, so we have to become from positive emotion to like more of a negative emotion a little bit because we need to focus and make those kinds of decisions. And then we need to get social feedback, feedback from other people. So on the, to help us decide. And in that case, we need social emotion. So we need the, um, you know, the friendship and, you know, having more friendship and meaning and being able to communicate and collaborate, uh, all which have different social emotions such as, you know, oxytocin and serotonin or two. And then towards the end, of course, we all have deadlines, love them or hate them. What they do is they provide a little bit of negative emotion so we can focus on varying, you know, like just the, the exact pieces. This is the exact solution. This is the exact um, uh, brochure that's going to go out or the exact edit of this, you know, of this interview. And so it's really, really, you know, um, I mean, I really think technology is really backwards right now because we have the same interface for the beginning and middle and end of a project when in fact we need different emotions. And so if you think about examples like, uh, like Google uh, has a little logo on it, the doodle that comes up, and uh, you know, they do it for major holidays, but most of them are like curious, like random days, like solely random days. And what it does is it actually generates uh, like, you know, wait, why is there a picture of a cactus in the Google logo? And it creates curiosity. And then you wanna, you wanna click. And then what better emotion, curiosity, to have if you're trying to research? So the interaction design behind the Google logos uh, actually helps the task of researching. And so in, from my perspective as an emotion designer and what we're as a game designer, is that what we really need is we need a lot more affective computing. And by that I mean not just, not really as much that the computers need to feel emotion, but the computers need to be designed to interface well with the human emotional system. And not just to motivate us or not just to make us uh, you know, feel, you know, be more productive, but actually, you know, you have different moments, uh, different types of tasks, and they all require different emotions. Emotions aren't just for entertainment. Emotions actually help us human beings function. And that's really important to remember as well. How does overcoming one's own concept of self-limitation contribute to fun? Well, in the four keys to fun, the four factors that we found uh, created, created by, you know, engaging games, the last one we call serious fun. And it's all about uh, growth and meaning and, you know, creating value. And so what you can design is in the uh, relationship between the, you know, the things that you do, the goals that you have, uh, you can create these challenges for yourself in a sense, little, little games that can help you, you know, rewire, you know, rewire your own, your own brain. Um, I was on an interview re recently um, with uh, on another podcast, and what was amazing to me is the week later, this, the podcaster showed me a, a video of their new space, and they had completely redesigned their studio with, uh, with, with put up, they were here at our, at our studio, which is 
lot of fun stuff on the wall. Um, but they put up these big goals, like here's my goal, I want a new laptop, or I want a new computer, and then just like a big thing, and a big empty checkbox. And they put in on the side, they had put this little outline with the measurement for where that new Mac was gonna go. And they, you know, so every day, you know, they were looking at their, at their goals. And so that kind of helped them, you know, sort of rewire, um, rewire what they, what they want, what they want to do, what they wanted to do. Rewire them right. I love so. that. Is then, is celebrating or recognizing our accomplishments, even in small ways, like you've mentioned, important in helping successful behaviors repeat? Yeah, so it's it's very important to recognize the, uh, if you think of examples from games, in a game you have uh, the feeling of winning, you know, you have to, you can't push a button and win the Grand Prix, you have to be challenged first. And then once you've won, you often have in a game, you might have 50 other features that just, their, old, their whole role is just to reinforce that win to make it feel significant, to make it feel exciting, to remind you that you won, you know, a couple days later. I mean, it can be silly, other sorts of emotions can be blended in, to, into it. Uh, you know, winner, winner, chicken dinner, you know, for <laughs> those kinds of things. Uh, but it, it's all rolling around the feeling of like, yes, you know, that happened. And it's, it's sort of to, it interfaces with the human emotional system because you know, the feeling of fear, the feeling of winning, like, yes, I got the boss monster is super powerful. It's a full body emotion. And then once we, um, but then once we've won, it goes way up and then it just crashes down. So you need that second mechanic to come in. And then in, when we design work, when we design our lives to reinforce that. Now you see that a little bit in, uh, like in sales, you might have uh, little, uh, little plaques or little medals or something like that, or a, or a leaderboard or little racehorses, you know, for your different salespeople. Uh, that can that can be motivating, but there's a lot of other things that uh, that are that are important. And um, in leadership training, I think that how the leader behaves after the win is super important because you know, like we just did a game jam, and so you're like full on all weekend. You know, we were working with the the Bose AR new you know, augmented reality sunglasses, uh, sunglasses. And you know, so then we we finish, and there's this big high. You know, Sunday nights, like yes, we did to do the presentation in front of everybody. So we here we've got social emotions as well as achievement together, right? Because it's a social thing. And then of course then month, but then Monday, it's really important, especially from a leadership perspective, is to come back and reinforce, like, hey, you know, this is what happened. I'm so proud of you. We want to look at those emotions and you know uh, provide the, you know, the context for them to feel good about what happened. Because your your emotions can go up and then they can also really crash. And you get this sort of almost uh, you can get this almost postpartum depression, you know, after a really big, after a really big project. And I think that if you look at human culture, like why do, these are the kind of questions I've asked myself over the years of researcher, like why do we have things like celebrations? Like why do we have birthdays? Why do we have these parties? Why do we have, you know, medals? Why do we have uh, these different, you know, markers? Uh, and it's a lot of it is, has to do with the human emotional system and really wanting to feel a sense of progress. And if you think about it, you know, what we do, especially in, in, you know, this geeky world we live in with computers and cell phones and, um, you know, now, you know, now augmented reality displays or, you know, AR, you know, uh, you know, audio, uh, you know, displays is that uh, work has gotten so virtual that it's become unhinged, you know, separated from our emotions. If you think about, uh, you know, if we go back to, you know, 
being on a farm and back in the day, you know, we used to milk cows instead of clicking on them in some game is you would milk the cow and you could see the, pa the pail fill with milk. So that sense of progress was built in right into the activity. Most information work, you know, it's not that way. Uh, you could care for, feed the animals. You could talk with your coworkers. And at the end of the day, those heavy milk pails, you know, they felt heavy as they moved back to the barn. And it's the end of the day, job well done. So we have this whole cycle. So if, even if they, you know, we've got, we might have a week long project or a year long project or a month long project, but even on those daily cycles, really feeling at that end of the day that you made progress is super important. And most of our information work is simply, you know, like, um, you know, Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton or Lucille Ball in a factory, you know, with just the endless supply of chocolates coming by, right? And it just feels like more, 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 right? We don't have that the rhythm it's novelty which re you know, connects to dopamine to have in the day that's really important and it's also though important to you know close the loop and that's something that software and a lot of uh, the way jobs are designed just doesn't doesn't really do and that can lead to motivation in folks how did you incorporate any of these principles and techniques into your game like follow the white rabbit yeah. So yeah, we've done several um, you know, virtual reality games. And the thing that we're looking at now is, of course, a game called Follow the White Rabbit. And um, let's follow the white rabbit. <laughs> Who we are going to interview next time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, you, are you ready for that? Yeah. You, you ready? Okay. She said it. All right. All right. High five. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so in White Rabbit, uh, it's, really, it's really fascinating. So if you think about what virtual reality is, it's really a trip to Wonderland. And I grew up in Wonderland. I actually grew up overseas. For, when I was a kid, I was riding camels, climbing pyramids, exploring fire temples. And, you know, I just, I just want to go back and feel that same full body wonder I had as a kid and bring all my friends. And I think a lot of folks, you know, really want to go back to see those feelings. So we designed and followed White Rabbit. Uh, this capacity, taking the capacity of virtual reality to create empathy and just, you know, really, you know, really exit up, really, really multiply it. So when you go into this world, it's a game about a magician who's been a charlatan like all his life until one day his magic actually works and the rabbit disappears uh, wearing a priceless diamond bracelet. So now everybody wants to follow the white rabbit. So we go around the world and uh, we're taking the, uh, different puzzles in the different locations. We go to Egypt, we go to the Great Wall of China, we go to uh, the, you know, we go to Paris, we go to New York, all these great, great locations, and have puzzles that are solved, that you have to solve using knowledge of the local culture. So we're actually creating the emotional experience of empathy in order to play and in order to progress in the game. And I think those kinds of mechanics are very compelling. And we've actually done a lot of work uh, on this for the past uh, for the past number of years. We've actually created for the game. We've actually created our own proprietary emotion model, uh, you know, inside in the you know underneath underneath the game, as well as a narrative AI. We're in the process of building so that you can play and experience a lot deeper emotions than and repeat the experience and feel different emotions as you as you go as you go through. And this is all about creating gameplay that it's that interface between you know, what you're doing in the game and then how you're feeling as you, as you play. And that's what creates a, you know, a narrative arc you know, in the normal, like if you think about normal film, it's like you know, beginning, middle and end. You, know, you have that rising action, the climax, the, you know, the falling action, the day long, you know, all of that is designed as a structure and really it's designed to trigger different emotions as you go 
along the along that path uh, for a classic narrative. Now, when we want to do interactive narrative, and the project that we just finished, uh, or <laughs> that we're doing as a jam project, uh, is called uh, the scramble. It's called the scrambled oracle. And what we're doing there is we're looking at interactive audio, so that we can interact with this audio world and these audio characters, and move yourself emotionally as you as you go as you go forward. And I think there's a huge opportunity for repeatable multiple branching narratives, lots of interesting uh, interaction that doesn't have to be like, you know, like Bandersnatch where it's really a choose your own adventure. We're allowing the player a lot more agency and a lot more freedom uh, so they don't feel like they're guessing the designer. And uh, that, that would, that's going to create a much more uh, compelling experience and it will feel emotional, just like the three-act structure feels emotional, but it's not going to have that structure necessarily. Nicole, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, maybe they want to find out more about your work and more about these interesting topics, how can they do that? Yeah, so you can find me on uh, Twitter at Nicole Lazaro, uh, N-I-C-O-L-E-L-A-Z-Z-A-R-O. And you can uh, follow the White Rabbit at uh, playwhiterabbit.com or my company website, which is xeodesign.com. All right, that's Nicole Lazaro, CEO of XEODesign.com. And if somebody wants to connect with me, you can. You can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.